Hey. Hey. How you doing, Miss Demi? Good. How's it going? Doing good. Doing good. Welcome to the Pure Blood Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bell. And guys, we have a very special guest um, here, a very talented researcher. Um, she's known for great and rare insights. And and just wanted to bring her on and share with share her insights with you all. Uh, her name is Demi Peachel. She's she's a graduate of uh, uh, New York University, and uh, she and Demi. We were talking about a very important topic: uh, the trucker convoy, and uh, you you shared that it plays a lot into their plan as far as. Uh, uh, automating uh, the supply chains and wanted to I just wanted to uh, get your thoughts uh, on that on that aspect of it sure thanks for having me on um yeah so we were talking about earlier um, the way that people are perceiving the the trucker convoys and and it's great you know what the truckers are doing they're they're genuine they're coming from the heart. The problem is that the movement that they've uh, attached themselves to has been co-opted. It was planned from the beginning by, you know, the other side as controlled opposition. Now, if you follow the money back, um, the person who set up the um, the GoFundMe account was, you know, the, the head of Wexit and Wexit has funding from George Soros. So if you if you follow it back just that easily, you can see that that account was created by people who were, you know, attempting to subvert this entire thing or who had planned it to begin with in order to get that kind of momentum, because it seems like the next step is that the state is going to, you know, roll in heavy on these guys. So it's basically the same setup that we had on January 6th, where, you know, you had these people who um, were infiltrating, um, who were staged, and then the crowd that was coming over, you know, to the White House, um, they had nothing to do with the people going in. And that's been proven. Right. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so we have this whole situation here where, you know, it, it's another psyop, but, you know, it's um, it's coupled with, you know, people doing the right thing for the right reason. So people want to um, to back and support that emotionally, which I totally understand. You know, I would, too. Absolutely. You know, these people are, you know, going out of their way to, uh, you know, to create, you know, a lot of noise, no pun intended, surrounding all of this and, and to try to get, you know, um, any sort of mandate that's attached to them lifted, you know, and, um, and it's a great thing what they're doing. But, you know, uh, other people are subverting that and we have to be careful, you know, what we look at here to, you know, to really understand that. Now, the issue that's going on here is that these are trucks. They're part of, you know, our logistical routes. And, um, you know, the, the easy scapegoat for all of this is to say, you know, all the trucks were held up and, and we had no way to, you know, um, to conquer supply chain issues. So, you know, here we have food shortages, which, you know, are, are staged then, you know, so they, they open this up to have this whole food security conversation where they end up being able to blame the truckers for that unreasonably because it's not their fault, but um, you know, they, they're able to, um, to create a situation 
surrounding that where um where they make a food shortage and then blame it on the trucks they they make food scarcity and blame it on them now in the background of all of this you have a lot of other things going on you have you know incoming grand solar minimum which is going to make you know make it near impossible to grow food let alone live in the areas that are you know um at the 45 parallel and above or you know at the negative 45 and below it's going to be too cold it's merely a solar cycle that's all it is it's weather it it happens cyclically you can set a watch by it it happens you know um it's not man made these right. this, it's just the way that our sun works with our earth and and you know the changes that go along with that we have 11 year cycles 200 year cycles 400 year cycles it's all built in to just the movement of the earth and and you know the movement of the sun through space right, right. you know as as it trails all of the planets along with it you know you you have different situations where you're in you know different um positions according to that according to the cycle and you know um every 11 years there's a minimum every 200 years is a grand solar minimum right and a lot of and you know we we've we've interacted on facebook and talked about it uh the grand solar minimum and a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people push back on that uh, on on your insight on that and you know it's it's you know, it, it's weird, uh, but I understand why, you know, because, you know, a lot of people live, you know, up north and, you know, mm -hmm. they're, and they they can't and they can't really believe it. But, right. you know, they have it, an but, emotional attachment to their homes, to their lives. Right. They don't want to see that. But it is cognitive dissonance. I mean, the science is there, you know, and and to to know, especially a lot of these people already know that um, climate change science is bunk. It's being used to, you know, to sell you down the pike, basically. So, and to garner all of this control in the same way that what we're talking about with the trucking convoys is being used to garner control. Like that's the point of of all of these movements is to, you know, um, to garner more and more control over right. the populace. So, you know, when you're looking at it that way and you understand that everything that they're putting forward in the messaging is reversed to the GSM. So even where they're talking about um, where the WEF is talking about climate refugees, they're talking about they're projecting the movement of quote unquote climate refugees moving from the equator out. But really what's going to be happening is people moving from the outside in because that band around the center is going to be the only place where you're able to grow food. And then on top of that, you have to be um, aware of, you know, um, where the natural disaster zones are because natural disasters kick up even more during a grand solar minimum. So you really? have all of these other, yes, you have all of these other concerns surrounding this where it makes, you know, a lot of the planet um, tenuously habitable um, for a lot of the time as this goes on. Now, if you go back to 1816, you'll see that there was a volcanic eruption in, in 1815 that put a cloud of volcanic ash all over the globe. And what happened was they had the year that they call the year without a summer or 1800 and froze to death. And because of that cloud of volcanic ash that was around, nobody could grow any food. There was widespread famine. There was civil unrest. And, you know, it's, it's this whole scenario that, um, that Bill Gates was trying to create in saying, you know, oh, well, we have climate change. Why don't we send a particulate into the atmosphere to block out the sun? Are you trying to recreate 1816? Yes. 
because right. then, you know, if you, if you control the food, you control everyone, you control the population. Right. And, and then you make it, mess. yeah, you make it to where no one can grow anything, You're but you're the only one that's growing stuff. And that's where like the GMOs and, right. and the artificial foods come into play then. Yeah. So then everyone's beholden to you. They have to do exactly what you say. You know, that's it. Game over. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> Scary stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that's been the whole, you know, that's that's the end game anyways, to control the food for everyone, because that's how you control everyone. If they don't have any food, they have to do what you say if they want to live. Right. So, um, you know, creating these um, these food scarcity issues, creating supply chain issues, creating food security issues, going in and saying, you know, oh, all of these chickens have COVID, we have to kill them, and then euthanizing all the chickens, right? We're, we're seeing this across the board. We've been seeing this since, you know, since early 2020. And it's just, you know, um, people have just been going along with it and going along with it. People are getting, you know, um, double taxed on the on the livestock that they have, you know, and uh, in some countries, to, to make it so that they can't even, you know, uh, it's not sustainable for them to even grow their own livestock, to even, you know, support their own livestock. The grain costs more than supporting the taxes on it, you know? Right, right. Um, and it's, yeah, and it's, uh, and, I, and I've been researching that as well. I mean, even back in 2020, uh, there was a lot of consolidation going on, um, particularly in the agriculture. Uh, or the farmland and the the grain and the meat industry as well, especially mm -hmm. the meat industry. Absolutely, because they're trying to phase that out so that you'll be you know beholden to these Franken foods, right? They're controlling the food source and the food supply and what you're eating. They can put whatever they want in it. You know, they can craft it out of pretty much anything, and you know, people will call it safe even though it's not. And that's that. You know, so salient green, salient uh, green. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so you know, like we we have this whole um, situation where everything is intertwined. It's all these moving parts all come together, but you know we're we're kept in in a situation where we never see the context. We never, you know, we're we're given sound bites and news clips, and and we're not um, we're not able to discern from that unless we're doing our own research how to recognize the patterns because we're we're kept from pulling all of that information together and looking at it holistically. That's a problem, right? And also, and even to add on to that, we're not even we keep thinking of you know these these half baked solutions to these problems when, you know, you have, in order to solve these problems, you have to think about them on a very complex level. Absolutely. Um, I mean, even in this, that's my biggest criticism with the, uh, uh, the truckers is that, you know, this is not going to, it's not going to stop when they occupy it. It's just, they're, they're just going to keep, they're going to keep doing it. I mean, what they, sh what should have been done is you have, you would have to create another food supply or another supply chain and just block them out. Yeah, you know, and, and the feel good aspect of it, the you know, wanting to root for them like a football team, like I get it. You know, it's it's you know an emotional clutch, but that's how these things work. When there's an emotional aspect to it like that, where you're being drawn into it, you know, to uh to really have feelings there, you know, in in one way or another, which way this goes and, and how that plays out, 
you, ha you have to be concerned that your heartstrings are being pulled in a certain direction because you know you you don't know how that's going to end up or, or how it's being subverted right so um when you watch it that way and, and all you know is like yeah these guys are doing this great thing which is true then you start to you know have this emotional attachment to it but then you take a step back and you realize oh like look at where the money's coming from and mm -hmm. look at what they're doing with this and, and what's happening here and then you know you um you see that and then you're able to take a step back and say you know okay yeah i was emotionally invested in this but what's really going on and that's where you, you you're having you know a better a better vantage point really i think is you know coming from it in that way where you know before you even choose to become emotionally attached to any of these events or scenarios you take a step back and you really look at it for what it is and you analyze it and you see, you know, um, who does it benefit? Where is the money coming from? And what are the goals here? All right. I mean, and, and I keep telling people, it's like, yeah, even uh, even as uh, Justin Trudeau steps down, they're still going to control the uh, food supply. Mm -hmm. So at that point, it doesn't matter who's in charge. It matters. What matters is who controls the means of production goes back to goes back to economics mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and if you know if the food supply is under control and you have no way of getting food because you didn't stock up before any of this happened you know then where are you so this brings it back to you know why do we analyze these things we analyze these things so that we can make appropriate decisions for ourselves and our loved ones not so that we can get caught up in the drama of whatever event they're putting forward to us you know, we right. need to, to look at that event and size it up and say, how does this impact me? How does this impact my family? What does this look like five steps down the line in whatever direction I take it? And how can I, you know, how can I shore myself up against any fallout that might occur based on what's going on here? You know, people right. don't want to think about that right now. They just want to be emotionally invested in something that they're, you know, basically, you know, getting their hopium fix. All right. I mean, and it's, I mean, I mean, you, you know, you go two years without hope. I mean, you know, it, it's, and I, and I understand it. It's just people don't, people don't see, you know, five, 10 steps ahead of them, you know, it's a dangerous thing. It's a really dangerous thing. So, you know, if, if you're sitting there just, you know, hoping that, that this is going to be, you know, this big turning point in all of this, which it could be a turning point in the narrative, but it's not a turning point in the overall goals that these people have. The goal is to, you know, have total control. The goal is a totalitarian state. So you have worldwide to totalitarian way. state. Hmm? Uh, worldwide yes. uh, totalitarian state. So yes, you know, and and region by region until they're all internetworked and combined, right? So, um, you know, they're they're taking different places. You know, they're taking you know what they can take over, little by little. And then, you know, they, they will network them all together, just like how China is with the social credit system and all of this. So, you know, um, that's where this is headed. So then you also have, you know, um, you know, different moves that are being taken against cryptocurrency by the state in different places. And in other places, they're making it look like they're pro cryptocurrency in order to lure people there so that they know who those people are. So they, you know, they go to all the trouble of decentralizing their cryptocurrencies and, and, you know, um, not having 
any way of being tracked of you know, maintaining their privacy and their sovereignty, which is great. But then, you know, you dangle the carrot of a crypto utopia in front of them and they all flock to one place. It's like, okay, now you physically centralize yourselves after decentralizing your currency. What's going on? Right, right. Clearly not. Right. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, and that's something that I actually wanted to get into because, um, you know, um, I even I've heard that um, they're, they're saying that cryptocurrencies were, you know, a matter of national security. So... So pre, so later on down the line, you know, things will go, come to a head to where anybody who owns crypto is a terrorist, and, and then on the other side, we, in 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 response to El Salvador, um, it can be like you said, it can be presented as like a utopia, but it's most likely a trap, and and I mean, it, it, it's cool that he's 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 doing it, but you know, the whole, you know public wallet you know i'm not i'm not trusting that either and the central the centralized locations i'm not just it's just it's just it's a trap basically absolutely absolutely so you know they they have these uh state-owned and operated wallets that they're giving out to people specifically in el salvador just to you know use an example people are going there they're you know putting money into these wallets or money was put into them by the state and then all of a sudden it's gone they have no recourse this actually happened. There were news articles about this. Um, these people have had no recourse to uh, to reclaim their funds at all. All right, and that's and that was that was the that was so insane. Yeah, I mean and that's like the beginning that, of it. That was the incentive to do it, and they're already yeah. pulling money out of it. So you can imagine what's going to happen moving forward as you know these people are um, are exposing themselves. And their assets to you know to this kind of um, environment where you know they're susceptible to uh, to all kinds of things you know and right. and you don't um, you that was the whole point was to not you know um, show who you are and what you're doing so that there is no centralized control so that nobody can do what they're doing in China to the rest right. of us. But, you know, right. when you take apart what national security actually means, like, sure, it, it is a threat to, you know, the security of a nation for another currency to um, usurp the currency of that nation. So, yeah, I can see where they would feel that way. I can see where they would, you know, put it that way. But it's also, you know, up to the people what they want to do and how they want to um, to transact, you know. It and it's, it's and, it, and it's thing, right? And it's and it's something telling because you know even the feds are starting to uh, is or they're begin, they're beginning the process to like the uh, to decentralize the um, digitalize their dollar. Mm-hmm. So it, so you know it's and I and I was saying that this is going to lead to a massive uh, bifurcation of finances and commerce. Yeah, but if you look at it, even in just the way of of how many people are holding, like, let's say Bitcoin, right? Mm. Um, The U.S. is one of the largest holders of Bitcoin because it's it's gotten it in confiscation of assets from uh, from people in um, in criminal investigations. Right. Uh, Silk Road being the, the largest one, I believe. Right. Right. So um, so it ends up being that they're one of the largest holders of that. And the more of it that they hold, it doesn't matter, you know, that the rest of it, you know, is is still 
out and about, the more of it that they are able to garner up because they're able to um, either throw charges against somebody that, you know, might not stick or whatever, but they could still claim the assets or, you know, um, centralize a whole bunch of people and pin things on them. Like perhaps might be what be perhaps might be what's happening in El Salvador, which is what it looks like. You know, it looks like a Pied Piper trap to uh, to confiscate the assets. Right, um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to be careful. And there's there's also, you know, uh, forgive me, I don't know, you know, the number of the bill that's on the table right now, but there is one, you know, to uh, to outlaw crypto yet again. No way. States. Yeah. Yeah. No way. So, mm -hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it keeps coming back around. So, you know, um, it it is something where, you know, it's coming up against what the WEF and the WEF nations, quote unquote, because it's all interconnected, want to do with currency in order to control it and to control value and to control work and your time and all of this, it, it all interconnects, right? So if any piece of that is not in their control, it thwarts what they're trying to do. So they're trying to reel it back in. So even in the same way that there's been this, you know, um, Pied Piper crypto utopia thing happening in El Salvador, also then you're seeing this invasion of Kazakhstan well, Kazakhstan was where everyone was going to mine crypto because the right. power was cheaper. Right, right. And I, it, yeah, and yeah, for those who don't know about Kazakhstan, um, um, the reason why it was such a big topic is because a lot of the mining for uh, crypto and Bitcoin specifically occurred in Kazakhstan. Mm -hmm. And what was happening was that, that and that's why, that's why the, these last few weeks, uh, you know, it Bitcoin dipped is because of the mine because Kazakhstan had no had no internet and no and I don't and I think some of the areas had no power either. So so it was you know it, it was a single point of failure and that's why and but it goes it just goes to show you that you should not congregate in one centralized area because that's right. a single it's a single point of failure. Absolutely. And and on top of it, you know you have state you know groups coming in to take over so you don't know what they've confiscated in in the interim to try to push themselves up to number one as you know um the holders of bitcoin right which is which is what's happening here but if you go back and you look at it, it becomes obvious when you realize that all of the countries that have been invaded you know in in recent years back you know uh 50 60 years here um it's usually because they are trying to push something forward that is in opposition to the petrodollar, usually trying to go back to the gold standard. And, you know, the powers that be don't want that. So right. they come up with some other reason to invade and then they invade and they keep um, those countries from going back to the gold standard, number one. But number two, then they install, you know, uh, world banks in those places. Right. So and we saw this and we saw this with Gaddafi. Saddam mm -hmm. saying um we they tried to they tried to do it with Assad. Yeah. You know, so and they're trying to do it with Iran. So exactly, exactly. So so if they're doing it with gold, of course they're going to do it with cryptocurrency if they can figure out, you know, um, like you said, one of these uh, you know, single point of failure areas, 
where they can go in and and attack either you know the the mining situation there or you know um, find out who is um, holding all of these assets and go after them. All right, which is which for the most part it it, it can't be done as of yet. I mean, but even though you know, um, Bitcoin's blockchain is public. Not you can't keep up with so many transactions. So right, right, right. So, so it's um it becomes difficult in that way. You wouldn't be able to do that. But if a whole bunch of people are you know congregating in one place, waving a flag and saying, "Hey, it's crypto utopia," they know exactly who they are and where they are. Absolutely. So, <laughs> um, anyone who's holding crypto or Bitcoin, yeah, just you know, don't don't centralize in one area because. You know, even even the fact that if if they if they know you purchased tickets for a flight to El Salvador, they're gonna know something's up. Mm -hmm. So so you might just get confiscated right off the gate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I'm not sure how that's going down or or how they're planning any of this, but um, you know, it stands to reason based on the way that they've accrued the rest of the assets through um, confiscation. That that would be you know the plan that would be the way to go for you know for state actors absolutely mm -hmm. absolutely now i do want to shift gears for for a second and talk about um what you call the culling because mm -hmm. i think that's um i think that's a very important reason um you know while we're having this conversation and and when i was i was thinking about their whole entire plan and a lot of this seems a lot of this, uh, the planning, the Great Reset, depends on a lot of people dying. Yes. Yes, and and yeah, and and because there's so many points of failures that if there's a lot, if there if there were a lot of people still left alive, the whole regime would topple. Could you know topple? You know. Yeah, quite easily. And especially, you know, that that's why there's all of this um, push toward divide and conquer to keep people off the same page and, and um, out of unity with each other in, in various ways so that they never figure out where the real threat is coming from because they're not paying attention and they're all stuck in this news cycle mindset where they're constantly distracted by whatever stories coming down or whatever figurehead they choose to prop up in order to throw them under the bus eventually. And, you know, when they get thrown under the bus, then, you know, people have like a satiated bloodlust and they stop caring. Right. Mm. So that's what that serves to do. It's ritualistic. They prop up these people like Fauci, they prop up these people like Bill Gates. And then eventually, you know, when um, when they've served their purpose and, you know, the the crowd is getting a little bit too antsy, they throw that person under the bus and, you know, the 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 crowd feels satiated in their in their bloodlust and in their desire for revenge. They feel like something happened. But really, that person's just out of the way and they've propped up somebody else in, in their place to take their place. So the right. who of it, you know, the person, the 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 who of, of the aspect of, of the equation doesn't really matter because if you put so much focus on who is doing these things, they're going to be gone pretty soon anyway. And the thing is still going to be happening. The what will still be there. The who is, it becomes irrelevant, honestly. Right, right. Put somebody else in its place. So what you really want to know is, and, and what I try to focus on, what's happening? How is it happening? 
how does it screw me over potentially? And what can I do to prevent that? Right, right. Excellent points. I mean, that's, and, and you, you make a very good point. I mean, a lot of our, a lot of the people, the leaders we see today are not going to be here tomorrow. Rather, right. they're, rather, rather than not, they're going to be killed or just go underground. Mm -hmm. you no, know, it's not, it's not, it's not Fauci. It's not Bill Gates. It's not, you know, it, it's not Biden. It's not even Biden. It's just the plan itself. Right. And it's all about this cult of personality that keeps you distracted from actually, you know, the what and the how of what's going on, which is, you know, that's the real meat of it. Right. You know, like this whole cult of personality thing, you know, that's uh, that's recycled through the news cycle every day that everybody, you know, um, is fixated on, whether it's through MSM or through memes or, or whatever it is. You know, people are fixated on these personalities, whether they're fixated on revering them or taking them down. They're still right. fixated. You know, right. and it becomes a waste of energy because it's, you know, what did you do today to better your situation? What did you do today to better your family? What did you do to, you know, either, you know, sock money away, you know, um, create a situation where you're where you're more stocked up? Um, you know, did you do something within your community to help that? You know, it, all of this um, energetic push toward, you know, it, it's basically energetic siphoning. It's energetic vampirism into this cult of personality that just, you know, um, makes you so tired trying to figure out who did what by the end of the day that you, you have no energy left for the things that you need to take care of if you're doing it wrong. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's basically one giant distraction because, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I feel like they're stalling. And I feel like they're stalling for something. They're stalling for time and mm -hmm. they're making, they're just making stuff up to where we get we get pissed off all day every day and then yeah. we don't and we don't even plan it's just even with these mandates it's like at, at some point we got to realize that they know that's not going to they know that it's not going to affect and they can there's no way to enforce it so right. so the thing about it is that what what's being done what's the distraction here sure. so and, and there's, you know, uh, another tactic at play here where um, everyone is being intentionally kept off kilter so that, you know, you, you can't make plans. You, you'll feel like you can't make plans if you're not on solid ground, if you don't understand what's going on. If things keep changing, how do you plan, right? So everyone feels off kilter. They don't know what to do in order to plan. So, um, so they just feel like they're at a loss constantly and they're, you know... Um, waiting with bated breath for more information to come down and the information that comes down is even more confusing and it's done right. on purpose. So, you know, if, if you knew what to do and how to set a watch by what's going on, you could plan and it wouldn't feel that way. But one of the things that clued me in about this, even, you know, um, in the initial months of, you know, when, um, when everyone was on lockdown in 2020, um, the thing that I noticed that people were saying, whether, you know, whether they were um, frustrated by it or joking about it, they ceased to have any sense of time. They couldn't tell time anymore. They were calling right. Thursday blurs day. They're saying, you know, the May 18th of, of whatever, like, you know, I can't keep anything straight in my head, you know, um, and constantly blaming their sense of time. Well, that's, that's a type of warfare. That's sixth generation warfare, like um, affecting your perception of space and time. 
And that's right. how I knew that that was happening to us, you know, was on a wide scale. We can't tell time what's going on here. You know, that's huge. That's impactful. Right. I mean, that's, and, and it's, and it's almost a cult, it's almost a cultic, but, but mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Even, uh, and I'm willing to bet that some, you know, some of, you know, our listeners, they, they almost don't remember what normal was like. I, I had a moment with that myself. Um, I remember it was, it was either late February or early March of 2020. And I caught myself doing something. I was sitting on, on the couch in my living room and I'm looking around the room and I started memorizing everything. I started memorizing and I, and I realized what I was doing. I was like, I'm memorizing what normal looks like so that I will remember. And it was before any of these, you know, quote unquote, new normal terms came out or anything like that. I just felt myself doing it. And I was like, okay, well, you know, apparently something's going on and this is part of the process of it. So I need to, you know, sit tight and let it happen. So I just let it happen. I started like looking around the room and, and memorizing the room and memorizing, you know, what was around and outside the window and all of that. And, you know, just came back to center and kind of, you know, meditated through it. And, you know, allowed myself to process that feeling, but it just really felt like I need to remember what normal is like, because when it's gone, I won't have any concept of that anymore. I won't have, you know, um, I'll have nothing to compare it to. Right. So, Mm -hmm. and yeah, and that's a very good point. That's a very good point to make because um, everyone's all like new normal, new normal this, new normal that. But, you know, a lot of people, even, even myself included, we don't, I don't. I can barely remember a time where, you know, before COVID and especially, and it's especially, it's, it's, it's impactful to me because both my parents were alive before COVID. Mm-hmm. Now that, now, now that both of them are dead, I, I don't have a, I don't have a solid idea of what normal is anyway. Right. So, right. so it, so, and I know that, and I know that a lot of people are going through that, especially, um, those who've lost their or lost their family or either you know got uh, basically got banished by their family so a lot of people are just floating around trying to trying to hope on to things to change but you know change starts with us absolutely it starts it starts with us trying to craft you know a new i don't i don't want to say a new normal but a new life <laughs> Right. And, and even these terms like new normal, it's psychological warfare, mm. you know, the repetition of these terms and, and, and making us normalize those terms within our vernacular is, you know, a, a way to push those ideas upon us. Um, you know, and, and even now, like where they're talking about, um, they refuse to talk about the fact that the shots are, are causing a lot of these heart issues, but there are, news stories like crazy trying to pin heart issues on other ridiculous things yeah changing the bed like (laughs) like really weird stuff you know like like things that are so out there it's like who could ever believe this but you know they're trying to make this weirdness normal right and i i saw one where it's like i think the latest one was like heartbreak syndrome or something like that or, oh, or the most, the most ridiculous one I've seen was the stress of paying your electric bill. Wow. Uh, yeah, that I, I wow. saw that. I was like, no way. This is 
this, this can't be happening. This is bizarre. Yeah. And there was, there was an article that came out that I ended up seeing that I wrote an article about. It was, what were they calling it? Post-pandemic stress disorder. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Like, no, you're, you're getting a heart attack. You're getting a heart problem. You're getting a stroke because you put foreign matter into your body and your body is reacting poorly to the foreign matter that you put in there. It's very simple. Cause and effect is there for a reason. I mean, and it, and it's some, and it's so obvious that mo that the people who've gotten it don't really want to admit it. And also, I did see something about um, HIV. Mm -hmm. So it so the HIV they they call it the HIV variant that's coming out here. Yeah, they 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 have a name for every variant that they want to pin something on. I still haven't seen anyone isolate the virus. Right. There's still money out there, you know, for bets for people, you know, if, if they want, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or whatever. I don't know exactly where this was, but there there are people um, who have rewards up, you know, for for anyone being able to isolate the virus, and nobody's been able to do that. Nobody's collected those rewards. Can't do it. Yeah, I, and I saw I saw that as well. So it's yeah. it, it's oof. <laughs> right, right. So then you have to wonder, okay, what's really happening here? Well, you know, um, contagion was disproven. Contagion was disproven 100 years ago. You know, uh, we, we have all of Pastor's notes. He was a self-admitted fraud. We know all of this. So what the hell is in these vaccines? Quote, unquote, vaccines. They're shots. Right, right. They're shots. Um, what's in them? You know, so I, I went into that in, in another article um, about teslapheresis. Finally, Matt down in Argentina um, said on the record um, in court, in a hearing, that there is graphene in the shots. So, um, you know, this, this graphene that, you know, um, Noak was killed for talking about. He was an activated carbon specialist who, um, who died telling his story about what he thought was in the shots and, um, you know, um, reasoning through why toxicologists were not finding it. Um, when you apply a, uh, a teslaphoretic field to the graphene inside of the body, it will self-assemble and it will form chains and it, it has wireless power, like, like what Tesla was developing at Wardenclyffe and then eventually at the New Yorker hotel. Right. Um, it creates wireless power. So the thing will, um, will self-assemble in the body, whatever components are in the body, it will self-assemble when a frequency hits it or, you know, a teslaphoretic field hits it. And then it has its own power to it because it generates its own power, you know, um, in the same way, in that same way. So, um, there's a lot of research on this. It was, um, it was discovered by Rice University and, and they um, were the same people who um, who discovered C60. So that's fullerene. And that's what everyone's been telling people to take to detox from this stuff. Well, you don't take graphene to detox from graphene. Right, right. Oh, I saw I saw that. I saw that. And I think right. you posted, I think you posted that information too. Yeah, yeah, I did. It, it's in the Teslaphoresis article for anyone who uh, who wants to see that. But it um, you know, if if you're chelating something out of your body, you don't take more of the same thing, put it in your body to get the same thing out. That's not how that works. Mm. So, you know, where anyone's recommending that you take C60, which is graphene, to take graphene, which is toxic to your body in, in whatever form it's in, 
out of your body, that's bogus. That's incorrect information. So whether they're perpetuating that information um, just because they don't know any better or they're perpetuating that information because they have some sort of agenda to get graphene into your body by any means necessary, you have to be careful. Right. And, and um, that also includes like, you know, because um, I've been hearing I've been hearing a lot about uh, mosquitoes, uh, nano, like a nano mosquito or something like that. And and also like certain <laughs> foods. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's it, it's I mean, just a lot of traps to get graphene in our systems. And mm -hmm. it's yeah, and it's it, it's it's truly, truly scary. It's just scary for lack of a better term. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, these are all things that we have to know about in order to protect ourselves. So we have to be doing our research. And this this brings us back around to the calling. OK, so um, so with this, you know, uh, as I was having this moment where I'm starting to memorize the room and all of this, I start to think about, you know, what are the um, what are the aspects of the current situation that um, that seem to be chosen for and against within people's personalities and 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 their physical makeup and and the way that they are that um, that is conferring survival. That's what I wanted to look at because it seemed to me from the beginning to be, you know, um, choosing for certain conditions and not choosing for others, right? So the things I started to see, you know, um, people who had um, a blood type were getting sick more often than the people who had B or O. Um, people who um, were smart and adaptable were able to figure things out more readily and stay on top of this than people who were more susceptible to groupthink. It was all things like this that I was seeing, you know, within the population, you know, um, people who have, you know, high vitamin D in their body anyway were less susceptible. People who were taking vitamin D3 supplements were less susceptible. People who had low vitamin D um, were tended to be the people who were dying in the hospital. Um, from whatever it was from, you know, from, from anything really, because, you know, if you don't have, um, if you don't have your, um, your body built up against, you know, whatever's coming in and whatever's coming through, and we'll, we'll get to that. Um, you can't fight off anything else. You know, if you're, if your terrain is at critical mass, you know, if you're, if your fish tank is, is disgusting and dirty, the fish are going to die. That's basically right. it. So terrain versus terrain versus germ theory. Right. And germ theory was Pasteur. And, and like we mentioned earlier, you know, um, Pasteur was a self-admitted fraud. All of his journals are are in a museum in uh, in France. And if you uh, if you go there, you know, you can check it out. You can check out the um, the translations out of French, you know, into English of, of all of what he said. And, and basically, you know, he just kept going on and on and on about like, how he couldn't prove any of this. He just kept trying and he couldn't, you know, but he kept propping it up, you know, out of ego. And he forbade his family from ever, um, ever uncovering his journals. But when he died, his, his grandson hated him and put his journals forward. Oh, so wow. that's how that happened. Yeah. So, um, so that's why, you know, those are on public record now. And, um, 
you know, we can see exactly like, you know, all, all of the information that people are basing all of this on is, you know, self-admitted fraud. And, you know, nobody, nobody tracks it back to the beginning there and, and rebuilds like, okay, which premises are correct and which ones are not. You know, if we know that if we know that he's a self-admitted fraud, we have to take it back to there and then, you know, um, OK, you know, take each um, study that's been done past that point and recheck the validity of it. And the people rechecking the validity of it can't have a hand in or, you know, or, or you know, um, an attachment to whatever the outcome is. But that's often, you know, those are the people who are who are looking through this stuff when when Einstein was submitting papers. He would retract the papers if he knew that that a place was um, was using peer review, because he knew that the peers reviewing his stuff were his competitors. They don't want his stuff getting through. So oh, wow. if he, yeah, if he knew it was peer reviewed, Einstein would retract his papers. So it makes it any different now. And we've seen that. We've seen people get papers through that were um, obviously bogus. That that um, they were crafted to be bogus. They were crafted to see if they could get papers through. They got papers through. So that's why there's so much crazy ass shit that's mm -hmm. like floating around. Like, uh, and I'm gonna get canceled for this uh, gender gender theory, um, trans trans theory, and stuff like that. Yeah, well, you know, there's different studies that people put forward that are you know not necessarily done correctly or done right, but they fit a certain agenda that people are trying to push. So, you know, uh, whether it's a lobby funding, whatever this is, or, you know, they'll try to push not just in that area, but, you know, in, in every area, you know, whatever narrative that they want to put forward, that they, that they want a certain, um, you know, push behind, they'll try to create quote unquote science around it. So, you know, lobbyists put forward money in order to do this, and then people become complicit in the lie and they will bolster the lie at all costs because they don't want to be exposed as a liar and they also don't want to lose their livelihoods so they're all complicit in that but Sounds... you know, there are some people that don't even know that that's happening that think they're doing real science and they aren't it sounds like uh the current situation we're in mm -hmm. absolutely this has been going on forever that's why it's so hard to tell people this because they they can't believe that it's gone on for that long and it's so entrenched in the way that we deal with the world around us, you know, even, um, even in, you know, making sure that we wash our hands constantly, you know, um, we're washing our hands so that we don't infect ourselves and others with quote unquote germs. Right. But, you know, we, we could be infecting ourselves and others with biotoxins. That's perfectly reasonable to think, but, um, you know, contagion has been disproven. Contagion was disproven a very long time ago, you know, yeah, during, I during the Spanish flu. Yeah, and that, and you know, I mean, and that's around the time that Rockefeller got control of the medical industry, anyway. Correct. So and that's how all of this happened? So, mm. um, you know, they they suppressed homeopathic medicine. They put forward allopathic medicine, and basically put forward anything that would, you know, um, poison people, keep people sick, keep people beholden to the system, so that they had to pay out anything that they had made. Right. So you end up with a situation, you accrue money over time. If you're saving at all, if you're investing at all, you're, you're working, you're accruing money over time, hoping that at some point, you know, you're going to have this retirement where you can quit working and, and, you know, um, do what you want to do with your life. And by that time you've accrued so much, you know, biotoxic 
matter in your body and and you've accumulated so much um illness to yourself that you know like people consider quote unquote aging you don't have to age like that you you have you know something in there that shouldn't be right so you get to that point and then you end up you know using all of that retirement money to pay it back into medical so you right. end up paying it back into the same system that you got it out of and you know nobody gets to keep it outside of that so it's you know um basically it's you know convincing you that you're free and able to do all of this but you know it's really a form of slavery you should be holding to them for care right i mean and that's and that's and it's the same thing that's that was done 100 years ago is now being done again you know mm -hmm. with these vaccines and um other vaccines that are coming out as well um hiv vaccine uh can cancer vaccine I mean, yeah. it's, it's just were ever connected to, um, to viruses. Like uh, AIDS was never connected to HIV. If you read the literature, it was wow. never connected. The two were never connected to each other. So, you know, and, and I've written a lot about this. I, you know, I have very well cited articles on this on, on my site. They're both under, um, hindsight is 2020. Um, if you want to look at the medical industry or if you want to look at, um, contagion, I've written about both of those. There's a, a movie series that that's come out that um, that Dr. Andrew Kaufman did. It's called Terrain, the movie. Um, you should definitely check that out. Um, that was um, they started airing that um, last Saturday, and that's been great. They're um, they're connecting the dots on a lot of this information to make sure that that people know what's going on. Um, and that they understand that they've been duped so that they can, you know, reframe this in their minds and be able to, you know, actually get somewhere with their health and understand what's happening and, and not, um, and not be beholden to a system that's trying to keep them sick. Absolutely. Um, I mean, and it goes back to, I mean, all this goes back to the, some of the factors that are needed to survive. Um, and and I, and I do want to segue into, you know, the nine, uh, the nine satanic sins um, that the, the elite has set up for us because, uh, and again, I mentioned, I mentioned this before, but a lot of people owe you an apology for Robert Malone. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, and, I, and, you know, because even I started looking to it, I was like, okay, you know, he's got this guy on, whatever. And then, you know, you start hearing about how his name doesn't come up on records or, you know, his, right. you know, so the spirit on the spiritual aspect, his birth chart. So I'm just like, wow, y'all really owe him, owe Miss Demi an apology for that. Yeah, it just, you know, I, I was just expressing concern that, you know, people are putting so much um, hope and faith into, you know, Rogan's programming, which, you know, I don't know who is picking and choosing who he brings on the show. I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's somebody else. You know, I, I don't know how that goes down, but I know that he hasn't brought um, Dr. Kaufman, Dr. Cowan, um, Sally Morell, um, Arthur Furstenberg. I know those people haven't been on his show. And, you know, those are the people who are furthest along toward the truth of this situation. So, so it was striking to me that he's bringing on someone who, you know, not only developed the, the shots in question that are harming people, but, you know, now claims to be a whistleblower. Although, you know, back in August, he was still, you know, saying that we needed really robust contact tracing. Really? Right. You know, like that, that doesn't sound to me like somebody who is, is whistleblowing. 
And then and top, right after this, he's coming out with his own shot. So instead, uh, you know, he he developed the other shot that's hurting people now. And now he wants you to trust him. Now he has a different shot that he wants to put on the market. I, I'm sorry. I don't believe you. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it, and you don't, you don't flip switches like that either, you know, because right. that's too long. Like if, if he said that stuff a year ago, then I might, I might've believed him, but. Sure, but and he said for a fact he's still on DOD payroll, and there's only certain things he can say. So yeah, cut out is... his own mouth. It came, it's straight from the horse's mouth. So you know how do you how do you believe what's coming forward from that? You know, there's definitely an agenda there. You know, um, and then you know we we were curious, so you know we decided like let's look up what his birthday is. Let's look up his his background story. Usually people have this up on Wikipedia easily. You know to to access. There's nothing there. There was nothing, you know, uh, deeper looking. You know, nobody found anything. There's a whole bunch of us looking. Nobody found it. Wow. Anything. So and then you go on Wikipedia and you look at the links that are provided there, and they all only go back, you know, at most ten years. And so that basically, can be doctored. I mean, like, yeah. how does he have a thirty-year career and the stuff from the first twenty years isn't on Wikipedia? That's yeah. So the man's a total spook. Then he might be. He might be it certainly points that way that that was my wariness about it right you know i'm like this this sounds like somebody who you know um who we're not supposed to know who he really is or like somebody who's you know undercover like that yeah you know? um, and, and and i mean it for, for the audience um you know she posted um she posted this up on facebook and it got like it got like 200 no 400 reactions and like a thousand comments and there was just a, it was just a constant back and forth of just people just trying to flame each other, and yeah. and and you know some people got blocked. I mean it was it was it was it was a dumpster fire. I mean it was funny, but it, it was just an absolute dumpster fire. And and it was so shocking that so many people cling to this guy so quickly. Yeah. Without even without even looking him up. They didn't look into anything. And, and all I had said was, you know, um, I, I made, a, a, you know, a funny remark. I, I was saying, you know, wake me up when he has Cowan on his show. That's what I wanted to, uh, you know, I, I want to see Cowan on his show. I want to see Kaufman on his show. I want to see Fersenberg on his show. I want to see Morrell on his show. I, you know, I, if he's bringing Malone on his show, I, I want him to be asking the right questions that, that you know, show me that you know he um that he has these ties he's not doing that you know um but he might not have the background i mean he doesn't come from that background he doesn't know what to ask all the time i don't know how much he knows and how much he doesn't know you know right. i don't know how much his people are researching for him and giving him like the questions he's supposed to ask i don't know how his show is run you know mm -hmm. so i couldn't say that all i know is you know this guy doesn't seem to be who he says he is 100% and then also, you know, he's uh, he's saying one thing, saying something else and coming back around to the same thing as before. So, you know, I like he, he's he's put out this shot and then, you know, he's reneging on that shot only to put out another shot. Well, you developed the first shot. I, right. So how can we harming people? Right. So like, you know, even me thinking as a businessman, it's like, how do how do you renege? How do you develop a product? say it's bad and then try to come out with a new one i mean that's you know it's like you gotta take a step back and say okay i screwed up and this is not for me 
Right. You don't, so to take you know, a step back and say that, that you screwed up then and, and help people to rectify it, you know, don't like use it as a platform to put forward another product that, you know, may or may not also harm people. That one hasn't been tested either. You know, we're in the same is, boat with this. Which is, which is, man, it's just crazy. And, and what are you inoculating against? Again, you know, show me that you've isolated the virus. Show me that. Show me isolation of the virus. That's what I want to say. All right, no and one's it's, done that. No one's yeah, done that. You, can't, you I mean, can't show me. If you haven't isolated it, you can't show me that it's contagious. You can't prove to me that, that the way that it transfers from person to person is contagious until you isolate it, know what it is, and, and create a controlled experiment where you're able to prove contagion of that pathogen. Right. And then, like you said, I mean, no one's been no one's been able to do that. And if they, and if they have, someone's lying. <laughs> like yeah. you can't really. You, yeah. I mean, you can't even really. If it comes from CNN and whatnot, I mean, you can't really trust them. You know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. But um, I do want to um, I do want to go over the you know nine uh, satanic sins because I think that. Um, cause the last time, the last time we talked, I mean, it was very informative and, um, and basically it just sets up the rules for this game, you know? Yeah. So, so I knew that this whole thing was deliberate. I knew the scenario was being manufactured to target specific populations. Um, so, you know, the threat assessment part of my brain kicked in. I was asking questions that would take me in certain directions. I was reverse engineering the way the pieces fit together from the end results and I remember saying I felt like the beginning of this was a scenario in which you have to solve for X in a massive health puzzle, right? So, you know, the the thing that kept resonating with me was solve the puzzle, you get to live. This is, you know, definitely a survival thing. You know, if if people are, are making it so that, you know, we have the situation where, you know, if you don't solve the puzzle, you can't figure out how to survive it, you, know, you definitely want to dive in there and, and figure out what's going on, right? So So that's where I was going with this. Um, so I started getting into, you know, the different observations that I had, I said, you know, um, people are really reliant upon being told what to think. They're really immersed in erroneous information because of it. They can't, um, they can't disconnect the two. They don't, you know, have any way of, of looking at that to figure out what's real and what's false. So they just, you know, buy into whatever narrative resonates with their political positions or their emotions or, you know, whatever they happen to be experiencing in that moment, they, they create realities surrounding what they want to see instead of, you know, how this is actually functioning. So, um, you know, then, then we look into it further and, and we see that, that this is basically like Mengele meets Saw. Mm. It's a big sick test. If, you know, somebody doesn't have a high enough IQ to discern the information, um, they're they're not going to get very far, but most people are are using groupthink over their IQ. Their their groupthink is superseding their IQ, so their IQ doesn't matter. It actually becomes an irrelevant factor in this because they're they're so concerned about being seen as smart that they don't care if they're actually smart the way that they're right, doing. right, mm -hmm. and that's and that's and that's one of the problems I've been seeing among you know the more educated class of people, even though e both left and right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's quite telling, but I mean, it's, it, it, 
like you said, this is a giant game of mango meets Saul. And, and I think that, you know, to survive this game, you really, you really have to think outside the box. I mean, you have to think on a level that's almost, almost at their level, like God level thinking instead of, instead of a protest, you got to recreate society. You right, know? right. You you have to figure out how all of these um these cogs in the machine interact with each other, and then once you're able to do that, you can um you can extrapolate from there. You know, um what they're doing, what they'll try to do, things like that. But unless you can think on that large of a scale, the way um the way billionaires play a game of risk, basically. Right. I, you know, or, you, you can't you can't figure it out otherwise. You know. Or, it, yeah, and I was gonna say, or like a like a game of chess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like you're you're taking over um, different aspects of this. You're applying your own rule set to it, and and that's part of it. Is there aren't set rules that change the game? You know, so you know why why play a game where you can't change the rules when you can play a game where you can, right? Right. Exactly. And, and why be beholden to other people's rules, you know, and, and force yourself into that box when when you can change the rules and, and operate in another way. So so that's the way that they operate. But everyone else is indoctrinated into you following rules. They're indoctrinated into playing board games where you follow rules. Right. And that's part of indoctrination into following rules. Is that, like these are the rules of the game. This is how you play. You can't, you know, go outside of the rules. You can't, you know. If you do right. that, it's, it's bad, right? So right. you're indoctrinated in that way already, you know, and and, and other people don't think that way, right? So it's like, it, it's um, it's a matter of seeing that and taking that apart and understanding where your blind spots are so that you can, you can even see, you know, how people are thinking and what might be done and, and you know, not, um, not relying upon like only your own perspective in order to discern that. And that's part of, of what comes up here. So um, it's tough to see, but, you know, so you start like pulling it apart and, and you're looking at resiliency, you're looking at IQ, you're looking at groupthink, you're looking at um, different um, biological factors of, of each person and population, things like that. And, you know, just trying to draw conclusions and moving forward. But then a light bulb went off in my head. I was listening to a talk by Mark Passio and he was covering the nine satanic sins. And as it turns out, this is the exact outline for what I was reverse engineering about the calling in my notes. So um, this was written in 1987 by Anton LaVey. And he outlines here, there's nine satanic sins. There's nine things that in Satanism you are not supposed to do. And he outlines them right here and, and says exactly what they are. And these nine things are, you know, what the calling is choosing for and against. It's all outlined right here. It's all in plain sight. And when I saw this list, I, a light bulb went off in my head and I was like, this is it. This is exactly, you know, what's happening here. So if you want to go through these with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So number one is stupidity. Um, it says the top of the list for satanic sins, the cardinal sin of Satanism. It's too bad that stupidity isn't painful. Ignorance is one thing, but our society thrives increasingly on stupidity. It depends on people going along with whatever they are told. The media promotes a cultivated stupidity as a posture that is not only acceptable, but laudable. Satanists must learn to see through the tricks and cannot afford to be stupid. 
Well, there it is right there. The media promotes a cultivated stupidity. It's, it says it in black and white right here. So you, you have this issue where, you know, um, you're, you're getting information from the media. The media is trying to keep you stupid so that you don't figure it out. And if you don't figure it out, um, you're stupid. So you're, um, you're, you're prey according right. to Absolutely. Yeah. It's a predator. It's a predator versus prey thing. Exactly. Exactly. So the, the second one down is, uh, is pretentiousness. Empty posturing can be most irritating and isn't implying the cardinal rules of lesser magic on equal footing with stupidity for what seem, or sorry, uh, on equal footing with stupidity for what keeps the money in circulation these days, everyone's made to feel like a big shot, whether they can come up with the goods or not. So, you know, can you back up who you are? You know, are you projecting something that's bigger than who you are? You know, how are you acting based on that? Or is your, is your posturing empty or are you actually who you say you are? Right. And that, and that, and that goes into, and that goes into what we said about um, group think versus IQ. Exactly. So, and, and that, that continues through this. There's, there's a line that kind of connects all of these things together. They're, they're, they're all, they all kind of go hand in hand. It's weird. But they, you know, they all have aspects of each other hidden in the other ones. Kind of, right. you can relate back. The third one, solipsism, it says, uh, can be very dangerous for Satanists, projecting your reactions, responses, and sensibilities onto someone who is probably far less attuned than you are. It is the mistake of expecting people to give you the same consideration, courtesy, and respect that you naturally give them. They won't. Instead. Satanists must strive to apply the dictum of do unto others as they do unto you. It's work for most of us and requires constant vigilance lest you slip into a comfortable illusion of everyone being like you. As has been uh, said. Hmm? Oh, I was gonna, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> as has been said, certain utopias would be ideal in a nation of philosophers, but unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately from a Machiavellian standpoint, we are far from that point. Right. I mean, a lot of and a lot of the a lot of the right and us included, we we suffer from this a lot, actually, because we assume that just because we're just because we're researching this doesn't mean that everyone else is. Right. So it's a very it's a very dangerous way of thinking that everybody should know this. But yeah, yeah. most it's people don't. And most people think this anyway, that, that most people will, will feel and, and act and think the way that I do. So most other people, if, if I have everyone's best interests at heart, I might naturally think that other people feel that way too. And mm. that cuts me off from understanding that there are people out there who want to prey on me, right? Um, so, so that's dangerous, right? And, and then you, you get into, you know, um, why am I thinking that, you know, people would, would have the same way of, of looking at it that I would and, and how does it differ? And instead they're, they're not, um, they're not having those thoughts. They're just thinking, you know, okay, very self-centered about the thinking, um, taking it back around to, this is what I thought. So this must be what everybody's thinking. Right. And, and it can go both ways. Um, just because you're most likely to kill folks doesn't mean everyone else is most likely to kill folks either. Correct. So mm -hmm. I see, so I see, the, I see the innocent side and I see, you know, how dark it can be. Right. So, right. So, you know, um, just keeping that in mind that, you know, you, you don't know the depths of the other person and, and what they would and would not do gives you an advantage because you can, um, 
you can push it out far onto, you know, either side of that to figure out, you know, what they might do. And usually what people would do is somewhere in between, mm. you know, statistically speaking. So, so basically it, it, it promotes discernment. You have, you really yeah. have to discern, you know, the actions of others rather than just basing it off of your own nature. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to be able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and have some empathy and think it through the way that they would think it through, even right. if they're not, you know, particularly the most empathetic person, which is always why I'm telling people, you know, like the, this is a common thing, like in our chat and, and in the blog, you know, um, you have to think like a psycho, even if it's going to make you feel like taking 10 showers afterwards, because you have to be able to think through, you know, what somebody might want to do to you so that you can Absolutely. protect yourself against it. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and, and what sucks about that is that if you explain that people will think you're the psychopath, like, and uh, yeah. that's, and that's, uh, it's, well, it's silly, you know, that just shows that they're being solipsistic, right? You know, mm. it, it comes back around to that. Because if, if they think that putting themselves in in that person's shoes would make them susceptible to thinking and acting that way, they don't have a very good grasp on who they are, do they? Right. You know, I can go into that mindset and come back out of it and feel like, Ugh, but, you know, I'm over it. You know, I know what they would do at that point. You know, I, I can have some sort of, you know, imagination there that helps me figure that out. And then I can make plans to protect myself and my family and my loved ones based on that. That's the point of it. It's not just to get into that mindset to sit there and stew in it or right. you know, to make yourself susceptible to becoming like that. And if you feel like you would be susceptible to becoming like that just by, you know, going through a thought exercise of thinking that way, you have bigger problems than than any of this is like you, you need yeah, to sort that that's, out. Yeah, that I was gonna and I was just gonna say is like you got more, you got bigger problems. You think that you can, you know, if you can't think through this or you're afraid to do it because you might become this way yeah you got you, you got issues yeah there's bigger problems there there's bigger fish to fry than just yeah. a thought exercise that's a problem okay so the next one down is self-deceit it's in the nine satanic statements but deserves to be repeated here another cardinal sin we must not pay homage to any of the sacred cows presented to us including the roles we are expected to play ourselves the only time self-deceit should be entered into is when it's fun and with awareness, but then it's not self-deceit. So explain, so elaborate that if you can. Sure. So, you know, if you are, um, if you're in denial of something, you know, like, let's say, you know, um, let's say I took the shot and I'm in denial that it's going to harm me. That can harm me because I'm not looking at reality the right way. I, I have, you know, um, tinted glasses on looking at my reality because there's something there that I don't want to face. Right. So I'm, I'm changing my perception of reality to fit what I want reality to be rather than looking at reality, taking stock of reality and pushing forward from there into, you know, what do I want to create from here, which would be a healthier standpoint. Right. Absolutely. So a lot of, and a lot of people suffer from that. And if you try to wake them up from it, you know, it's, you know, they, they dig even further. So, yeah. And you know what, to be honest, you, you see it, you see it on one side where it's very clear. Okay. Um, that, you know, people are, are leading themselves down the pike on this, but on the other side of the equation, um, you, people are not realizing that they've been, you know, hanging their hat, hanging their ego on top of the things that they think. 
So, you know, they've been spending so much time researching and they feel that they're quote unquote awakened to the point where if you have information that differs from the information that they have, they won't hear it. Right. Right. So it comes back around to, you know, and, and it, it's even more insidious on that side because they think they know and they don't, right. they don't know what they don't know. Right. And it, it becomes, and it becomes a little bit more dangerous because I've seen the right cancel folks. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it ends up being something where, you know, you have to look within, everyone does, everyone has to look within and and figure out okay you know like where am i putting up barriers to new information coming in how am i being intellectually dishonest with this you know am, am i promoting my intellectual integrity here by taking you know a stance that you know maybe contradicts something that i've learned in the past because now i have new information that's great that means you're learning that means you're learning that's all that means that's okay right. it's okay to be wrong you're supposed to be wrong otherwise you're not learning anything Right, absolutely. Okay, so that's how you grow. That's how you grow. <laughs> it's, you know, so, it's it's self growth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and if you have barriers up in place to that, where you won't take in new information because it erodes the other things that you thought that you knew. Sorry, sometimes you have to go back to brass tacks and recreate a foundation to build upon again and again and again. That's what we do. That's why we're here. That's right, what we're and, doing here. Right, and you know. If we don't, and if we don't do it, you know, that's, you know, every, if we don't grow from this, I mean, it, it we're just gonna, we're just gonna be six feet under. So it's a self detriment, you know, yeah. anything that you, um, that you refuse to look at because then you would have to look at everything else and reconsider everything else. That's also cognitive dissonance. And I don't care what flavor Kool Aid it is. If you denied the blue Kool Aid only to, you know, like the refreshing taste of red. I don't care. It's still Kool-Aid. Right. So, you know, it, that's, an <laughs> issue. that's an issue. So, you know, um, it, it's good to be open to all of these possibilities and to look at them and then, you know, uh, use your, use your probability to figure out what's going to happen. You won't know 100% certain what's going to happen, you know, but you'll have a pretty good idea probability wise You'll be able to use, that is a tactic for figuring out in which direction you should go and, and, and what fits the bill the most. So, you know, like in, in the case of, you know, what do I do um, in terms of all of these things that are coming at me? Well, you know, shore up what you have so that other people can't hold what you don't have over your head to make you Abs do something. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it involves, again, it involves thinking like, thinking like a, an abuser, thinking of like a psychopath and ultimately thinking, like a, like a sovereign. Uh, yeah. And, and being, you know, hypervigilant in, in, you know, a, a war scenario or in a war right. scenario. And this, and this is a lot of the time where hypervigilance comes from, where people, you know, uh, are, are in those scenarios and then end up with PTSD from that. They, you know, they, they come back home from whatever scenario that was and, and they end up thinking that way. And they, they, you know, have a little bit of, of understandable paranoia from that because they've been dealing with something that was really tough where they had to be hypervigilant. And, and it doesn't just happen when you go to war, you can grow up in a household like that. You know, different people have different, you know, experiences that, that open them up to that kind of trauma that makes them hypervigilant. But those people are the people who see it first. They're your canaries in a coal mine. Right. Like, like you, me, and basically a lot of other people. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all we all you know saw it ahead of time because you know we we had you know um, some aspect of of the way that we think that you know connects dots. You know um, has like um, has very good pattern recognition and and is able to you know um, see what's happening because we have that kind of vigilance about us. Right. So the next one down was herd conformity. It's number five. It's obvious from a satanic stance. It's all right to conform to a person's wishes if it ultimately benefits you. But only fools follow along with the herd, letting an impersonal entity dictate to you. The key is to choose a master wisely instead of being enslaved by the whims of the many. Right. And yeah, I mean, this is pretty self-explanatory because, you know, a lot of people do this. Absolutely. Yeah. People follow along with the herd because they, they want to be accepted. They don't want to stand out. They, you know, they don't want to affect their livelihood. They don't want to affect their family. They don't want to affect the status quo. They want things to stay the same. And they, you know, want an impersonal entity like this says, you know, like the state to dictate to them because they want the state to act as mommy and daddy and make all the decisions for them. So even when the state is trying to harm them, they still think the state is infallible just like a three-year-old with their parents. Absolutely. So, you know, you, you eventually grow up and you realize your parents don't have all the answers. Nobody's do, you know, like that's, that's not a thing, right? So, you know, you, you grow up and, and you grow from that. You develop your, your own discernment from learning that. That's where you're supposed to go, not, you know, take those feelings and attach them to the state instead of your parents. That's dysfunctional. Right. And that's, I mean, and a lot of people suffer from that as well. So, I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's, it's pretty telling, basically. It's pretty telling. Absolutely. And, and even that it's outlined here that, you know, it it would be, you know, useful to them to create that kind of a scenario after warning people about it who are their own or anybody else who's, you know, coming past this that has, you know, uh, the compulsion to look at it, you know, whatever. Um, you know, they're telling you right here exactly, you know, how they plan this out. So then we've come to number six, that's lack of perspective. Again, this one can lead to a lot of pain for a Satanist. You must never lose sight of who and what you are and what a threat you can be by your very existence. You're making history right now every day. Always keep the wider historical and social picture in mind. That is an important key to both lesser and greater magic. See the patterns and fit things together as you want the pieces to fall into place. Do not be swayed by herd constraints. Know that you are working on another level entirely from the rest of the world. Yeah, and I actually I tend to follow this. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I mean, because I understand that what I do today, even even on this pod, even on this podcast, what we do today will have ripple effects tomorrow. Um, in the next day, the next year, the next the next decade, the next century. Yeah. So and that's and that's you know, to me it's like you got to think you got to think about things from a I guess a galactic standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. You you have to think about, you know, what you do and and how you act and and how you interact and how all of that comes to bear in in the creation of of what you see moving forward. It's it's manifestation. You know, it's also, you know, just keeping the perspective of that, you know, knowing that that you are able to, you know, become a catalyst for change in every thought and every emotion and every action that you have and that you take. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, 
<laughs> people create ripple effects without even knowing so yeah yeah and and a lot of people aren't so focused on that they're not so focused on on what their their behavior and their thoughts and feelings and 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 actions cause in the world you know right. they're, they're not very um they're not meticulous about it they just kind of do what they do they just kind of you know move along at you know at whatever pace and do what they do and they they don't um they don't think about it. And if you ask them to think deeply about certain things, you know, many people are going to push back on you, you know, oh, that's too much thinking, you think too much, you know, that kind of a thing. They're, they're conditioned not to think and they're conditioned to think that it's bad to think. It's not bad to think. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of those, uh, those articles about critical thinking. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, most people are not taught critical thinking. You know, and and some of us that you know were were showing signs of pattern recognition and critical thinking were pulled out from from Gen Pop in school, you know, to right. not infect the others. You, know, they say that it's to you know give us more opportunities to study this and do that and whatever, blah blah blah, not be bored, but it's really to keep us from infecting the others because you can be taught all of that. You right. know, pattern recognition is not a fixed thing. You can develop that over time and they lead you to believe that iq is a, a fixed number it's not you can develop that you can get a higher score yeah um a lot of uh the i guess the race realists i mean they're so fixated on the number of your iq but i keep and i keep saying that if i lived up north my iq is going to be higher because i'm because i'm interacting with an environment where it demands i be higher you know, because yeah. evolution's not evolution's not a fixed thing. It's a constant, it's a constant thing. So you, you would need to, you know, have your wits about you more, you know, because of the environment and surviving the environment. Right. Which in the in the long term, all of our IQs are gonna be higher should we survive this. Yeah, yeah. But the <laughs> you know, the um the average will still by definition be one hundred, so you'd never know. Right, right. Absolutely. So all right, um, next one. Yeah, so that's number seven, forgetfulness of past orthodoxies. Be aware that this is one of the keys to brainwashing people into accepting something new and different, when in reality it's something that was once widely accepted but is now presented in a new package. We are expected to rave about the genius of the creator and forget the original. This makes for a disposable society. So this to me brings to mind, you know, repackaging communism over and over and over again, saying it's something else, calling it something else, it's still communism. Oh, well, you know, they didn't do it right the first time. We have to try it again. No, you don't. You tried right. it. It doesn't work. <laughs> you really right. don't try it again. And then even, um, even, you know, the past, even in the medical field, I mean, past vaccinations and whatnot, like we've mm -hmm. seen the effects. Oh, I'll give you a I'll give you a better example. Tuskegee experiments. Yeah. Yeah. So and a lot of, and a lot of black black people still you know take this take the shots and I'm just like, you know, y'all not learn about Tuskegee experiments? Yeah, and and <laughs> there are a lot of of situations like that that people should be looking back and learning from. But like this says, they're repackaged so that people don't see. That you know uh, that it has any connection to an event or a situation that came before, and they still you know they welcome it in and and as they said the last line here this makes for a disposable society. So they right. want is a disposable society. They want 
they want the information to be disconnected so that people are disconnected from their roots so that they can't go back and look at what happened before so they can't, you know, take steps to, um, to protect themselves. Right. There's no context. Right. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's just basically learn to read or study real history. So. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of people don't know which history is real history. So that's a problem too. Yeah, history that's... That, that's put forward is, you know, they, they always say that history is written by the victors, but even so, you know, history is uh, written by the victors, manipulated by the people who come after that and changed up to say whatever the hell it is people want it to say in order to push a certain agenda, regardless of what that is. Right. So a lot of the time, even what you have there is not correct. So you have right, to. So... Right, right. Okay. So number eight is counterproductive pride. That first word is important. Pride is great up until the point where you begin to throw out the baby with the bathtub water. Uh, the rule of Satanism is if it works for you, great. When it stops working for you, when you've painted yourself into a corner and the only way out is to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I wish we could compromise somehow and then do it. Basically, don't dig, don't um, dig yourself in a hole. Uh, yeah, so, but it's also like what we were just talking about, like hanging your hat on on your um, on your ideas, hanging your ego on you know your feelings and things like this. You, like when you've been, when you've painted yourself into a corner, say I'm sorry, I made a mistake. But you don't even have to like that's not even you know it's it's part of the culture now because it's baked into it because it's subverted. It's ideal for you to make mistakes. That's how you learn. Right. You know. So move forward from there and, and assimilate the new information and compare it to what you have, break everything down to foundations again, rebuild it, see what's there, you know, move forward on, on new premises until you get a new piece of information that contradicts some part of that, break it back down and rebuild it again. This is what we're supposed to be doing. This, right. this is solid. That's how you build a solid foundation. Right. I mean, this goes hand in hand with self-deceit. Exactly. Exactly. And then the yeah. last one is number nine, lack of aesthetics. This is the physical application of the balance factor. Aesthetics is important in lesser magic and should be cultivated. It is obvious that no one can collect any money off classical standards of beauty and form most of the time. So they are discouraged in a consumer society, but an eye for beauty for balance is an essential satanic tool and must be applied for greater magical effectiveness. It's not what's supposed to be pleasing. It's what is. Aesthetics is a personal thing, reflective of one's own nature, but there are universally pleasing and harmonious configurations that should not be denied. So I actually, um, and shout out to Ian because um, Ian Novaks, she actually, uh, she actually got me thinking about crafting, and a lot of that had to do with aesthetics. Um, mm -hmm. um, so you know, they craft this back in 2020 they craft this um they crafted the pandemic um they said it was raging on but no one could confirm it right mm -hmm. so they had us put on masks social distance and now and you know they they gave us symbols and words to use and and all of that was this part of that magic that part of that aesthetic yeah so you know now you see people using words symbols you know wearing clothing in a mask all of that all of that is aesthetics part of that aesthetics and it's part of black magic right it's all part of you know creating a 
a ritual that's you know basically turning the the life and movement and and all of that of of the day into a consistent ritual right so i mean that's you know that's and i, I know and last time i last time we spoke about lack of aesthetics i mean i i kind of i didn't get it but you know but looking back at my life i've applied that as well you know in a business setting you wear a business suit and you look you look the part Mm -hmm. you know it's and, and also symmetry and color and things like that 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 human beings are are drawn to or repelled by right you know, taking that into consideration really like you know on a on a benign level but then on a uh on a malignant level it would be you know um subverting that in order to you know confuse or or disarm someone so that you could take advantage of them Right. So, I mean, if you look, if you, if you intentionally look weird, you can confuse your target, whoever you're praying against, and then just take advantage of it. Sure. So. Yeah, there are a absolutely. lot of different ways to, to utilize that to, you know, mostly to confuse people. You know, right. you have to be careful of that because that's, that's the tool that's being used the most is, is confusion, you know, keeping right. people confused. So, you know, in what way are people being kept confused? And in, in what way, you know, are are your senses figuring out that something doesn't jive, but you can't quite put your finger on it, and then you're stuck in that imbalance. You, right. You know, like that. That's part of this. It's psychological right. warfare. Right. I mean, it's um, it's it's like camouflage, mm -hmm. and you lure people in. It's and you know, it's a it's a pre it's a predator thing. You know, mm -hmm. a, even. Yeah, even um, and I again, we're gonna get canceled for this, but the men, or the quote unquote trans women who go on who go into women's bathrooms looking like like a man with just a crossdresser, that's a part of that. I would think, actually. Yeah, there's there's so many different ways that that can come about to where you um. You don't know what it is you know, that, that somebody's presenting. You don't know what they're hiding behind that. You don't know what you're looking at. It's a good thing to keep in mind anyway. You know, because even if somebody's pretty, you know, pretty normal, they, they might be, you know, projecting something that they're not. You know, so even like in, in your regular day to day, it's something to keep in mind. Right. Yeah, it's definitely keep you, you should definitely keep in mind if you if you're running some type of platform or you know, some type of uh, organization, so. Sure, yeah, but you know, um, for the most part, so we, you know, we've got these these nine things and you know, like we'll, we'll go over um, what they are again, stupidity, pretentiousness, solipsism, self-deceit, herd conformity, lack of perspective, forgetfulness of past orthodoxies, counterproductive pride, and lack of aesthetics. Right. So you, you've got these nine things and they all fit in in some way to, you know, how all of this has been crafted. And, and the main things that they're pulling from are, you know, um, people's stupidity, people's pretentiousness. Oh, I'm an expert in this subject, you know, so I, I know better than you do. And are you an expert in this subject? And like just kind of like throwing that around when it has no meat to it and there's no there there. You've got solipsism, you know, thinking that, you know, somebody's having the same thoughts that you are or relying on that person to have or to think that that everyone else has the same thoughts so that they can be subverted. 
um, self-deceit, you know, people, um, people telling themselves what they need to do and, and convincing themselves, forcing themselves to do things that they probably shouldn't do because they think that they have to, um, herd conformity, just going along with, with the masses and not thinking about it. You know, everybody else is doing it. So, so should I, um, lack of perspective. That's all of these really, you know, just, um, you know, figuring out different vantage points to look at this from and figure out, you know, what you know, what you don't know, what you don't know, you don't know, and figuring out how all of that fits together. Forgetfulness of past orthodoxies, like, you know, have your, um, have your context, have context for, for history and, and for how these different things came about in the past so that you know what you're looking at so that history doesn't repeat itself. Counterproductive pride, you know, don't hang your ego on what you think and feel and, and believe you know, um, allow for some jitter there, allow yourself to be wrong. That's how you grow. It's okay. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay. You don't right. have to worry about being wrong. You know, you want to be wrong sometimes like you, you grow and learn faster. You know, like there's that whole, you know, like in, in startups, there's that whole fail faster thing. You, know, like yeah. you want to fail as fast as possible so that you don't spend a whole bunch of money on failing. You know, each time that you do it, you want to figure out really quickly what doesn't work so that you can figure out what does. Like, that's exactly that. Don't put your pride into that. Be adaptable. And then Absol lack of aesthetics is the last one. Right. Absolutely. And it's very, ah, man, it's very, very informative, very informative. So, but Ms. Demi, we're, uh, we're actually running up on time. So mm -hmm. where can people uh, reach you? Um, I am at starfirecodes.substack.com. Or you can find me on Telegram. We have a chat and a newsfeed. The chat is at Starfire Codes chat, and the newsfeed is at Starfire Codes. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. Um, uh, I do want to do a part two because you know it, I'll, you've been very informative in your insights and wise as always. And you know, just just I'm we're very glad to have you researching this stuff because you know we all. I would say we would all be lost, you know, if, without your wisdom and insight. Thank you so much for having me on. I would love to come back. That sounds great. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank well, you. Okay. Well, Ms. Demi, you have a nice day. And I'm Michael Bell, and this is the Peer Blood Podcast signing out.